Quick note before the episode begins. On this new series of the Arzekwi podcast, we are going to be passing the mic over to some of our colleagues from our department so that they can share with you the interesting EU projects that we work on. But don't worry, Tima and I are not going away. We'll be back soon. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to Ars Equi, the podcast on all things on law and technology. I'm Katarzyna. And I'm Marie-Catherine. And welcome to another episode on the Past the Mic series, where we discuss the EU Horizon 2020 funded project, Kate. Thank you, Tima and Paul, for passing the mic again. We are very happy to be here today to talk about another excellent EU funded Horizon 2020 project we are working on. A project which aims to build a precise, personalized medicine system empowered by artificial intelligence, which predicts the, the response of kidney cancer to targeted therapies. But first, let us introduce ourselves, Katarzyna. Would you like to tell us, the audience, a bit more, a bit, bit more about you? Of course. Uh, but first of all, thank you also from my side, Tima and Paul. It is a great pleasure to be here and introduce the audience to the Katie Project. So thank you for this opportunity. I'm Katarzyna Barut, um, a research associate, as my colleagues, um, at the department. And together with Marie-Catherine, I am involved in the Katie project. But beyond Katie, I'm also involved in another great project in the health research area, namely the Virtual Brain Cloud. Uh, you could listen to our colleagues, Mariana and Michelle, describing it in more detail in the episode three of this series. I think that's all about me. So Marie-Catherine, your turn. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, thank you. So if you listened to our last episode, you might have uh, already known me. Um, so two weeks ago, I was also here talking about our uh, excellent project, Privacy for Kids. However, just in case you missed it, so I'm also a research associate at the department. I have been working here for almost three years now. I'm also involved in several research projects. Most of them are, as this one, um, health-related projects. Um, yeah, and I'm happy to be here and let's talk about the Katie project. So would you like to tell us a bit more about the project itself? Uh, yes, with pleasure. <laughs> uh, Katie, uh, this is the abbreviation, but the full name um, of the project is Knowledge at the Tip of Your Fingers, Clinical Knowledge for Humanity. And uh, in this project, we aim to build a per precise personalized medicine system empowered by artificial intelligence, which would uh, predict the response of kidney cancer, but uh, to be precise, renal cancer, to targeted therapies. Um, we proposed a system uh, that uh, would bring the AI-empowered knowledge to the tips of the fingers of clinicians and clinical researchers. Um, and the system is built around two main components, uh, the, a distributed knowledge graph and a pool of explainable AI predictors. And all of it would be available to the clinicians and clinical researchers on a KT platform, which would be web mobile based solution um, that uh, would be easily accessible uh, to all of those mentioned parties. And uh, why we decided to do it. Um, so the KT project um, addresses the EU mission area, uh, which is cancer, and tackles one of the biggest uh, challenges we currently face. Um, I was actually surprised when I got to know that um, the statistics show that it is predicted that by 2035, 4.3 million people will be newly diagnosed with cancer in Europe every year. 
And actually, this is representing a 23% increase from today's figures if no further action is taken. So that's why reversing these trends um, is a critical challenge in the 21st century. And Katie, um, along with other initiatives in this mission area, aims to help more people, first of all, live without cancer and to um, ensure more cancer patients are diagnosed early, uh, suffer less and well, at the end of the day, have a better quality of life after treatment. Um, what else? I, I would add that in comparison to other projects um, in the department, our project is in a quite um, early phase. Uh, we just launched it at the beginning of the year and um, there is still a lot to explore um, because the project is planned to last until the end of 2024. So, so how, how is the project structured? Um, the, the project um, is um, structured, so we, we have a split into three phases, three main phases. The first phase is to um, define user requirements, uh, to map them to the technical specifications and to define the system architecture. Um, and uh, the second phase uh, would uh, capitalize on the development system, uh, developed system uh, to perform a pre-study pilot. Um, and in the third phase, that would be the final phase, uh, we will include a clinical study um, and the evaluation of the final system in real-life conditions. Um, and the results of the clinical study will be analyzed on the drugs recommendation and treatments um, will be collected um, at the end of, of the project. So I think that that's it um, about this. But I think that we also should point out who we are collaborating with. Marie-Catherine, would you like to? Yes, I think it's worth mentioning that Katie is one of the biggest projects we are involved um, at the department. So 20 partners from 11 countries collaborate to develop the Dimension platform. But this is only feasible because renowned research institutes and other experts from different fields work really closely together. We're in daily interaction and clinicians, computer infrastructure experts, data scientists, artificial intelligence experts, security experts, and many, many more are working daily together to make this feasible. So what is our role here? So we are playing, again, the role of legal, consult legal and ethical consultant, and we provide expertise in the field of data protection, ethics, data governance, and data management. So we assist partners in drafting legal documents, such as the informed consent, the data processing and joint controllership agreements. We also help to determine what privacy and security requirements shall be taken into account. In this project, we also have um, something, an institution called Legal Help Desk, where um, partners can pose all kinds of questions and ask for legal support. So in my opinion, partners gladly use this possibility to make sure that everything they do is legally compliant. But what is, in your opinion, one of the most important challenges we're facing and at the moment? Mm, I would say that um, one of um, very interesting and actually also challenging topics at the moment is the question related to the anonymization and pseudonymization of the data we process in the project or aim to process in the project. Um, we are going to process various types of data that come from various sources, publicly available data sets and private, so to say private, but actually the data sets collected by the partners involved in the project. And these data are maybe considered as data concerning health um, or genetic data uh, in the meaning of the GDPR. 
And each of the, these data types conveys different information about the tumor, but also um, the question is what kind of information it, uh, conveys about uh, an individual, um, a data subject. And here, um, in accordance with the GDPR regulation, which, which most probably many of you are familiar with, but maybe not, um, so the principles of data protection should apply to any information uh, concerning an identified or identifiable natural person and should not apply to anonymous information. And this already... Um, Poses, uh, so here we can pose a lot of questions. So first of all, what is the anonymous information exactly? Is an individual identifiable from the data we process? Um, to uh, In the next steps to determine whether a natural person is identifiable, account should be taken of all the means reasonably likely to be used to identify uh, this person directly or indirectly. And um, then the next question, what exactly are the means reasonably likely to be used? By whom shall they be reasonably likely used? Um, by the controller, by another person. This is what GDPR states. But then who exactly is this another person? So as you can see, there are plenty of questions that we need to address. Um, we also need to consider whether um, genetic, genomic data can be actually really truly fully anonymized, especially taking into account the current very advanced technology, which allows for very detailed processing of the data and for extracting a wide set of information about the human being's health and genetics. Um, so yes, taking that all into consideration, we, we need to identify and clarify if the data are anonymized or pseudonymized, because that leads to different legal implications, right? Oh yes, yeah, I fully agree. It's a big challenge we're facing at the moment because pseudonymized data is considered as personal data. So. The GDPR is entirely applicable and therefore needs to have a legal basis. So this is in particular challenging in this project since we will use data from various data sources and not always the same legal basis would fit. So we need to differentiate when it comes to the source. So first, we will also use data from publicly available databases where scientific research will in most cases be the appropriate legal basis. But in a second step, we will also gather uh, data from clinical partners directly from patients. So here the legal basis will be in accordance with the GDPR and the ethical requirements, the informed consent. Yes, that's true. And informed consent um, may be a legal basis for, for processing of uh, this type of data. And uh, this is um, I mean, important not only for processing of the patient's data, but for conducting the research in general. Because here we need to consider what is informed consent from the ethical point of view, what is the informed consent from the data protection point of view. Mm. Um, and in general, patient has to be informed about the research, its aims, risks related to the research and participation in it. Um, the patients should know what will happen with their data and what, with the samples that we use to gather further information um, on the tumor, on, on the um, disease uh, that is valuable for the development of the project and of the KT platform. Um, and in collaboration with the KT partners, we um, we discussed data protection and ethical requirements applicable in this regard and what information shall be provided uh, to ensure that the patients are properly informed about the steps uh, that will be taken um, in the course of the research and um, in the context of processing of the uh, patient's data um, so that the patients can make truly um, informed consent whether they would like to participate in the research or not. 
Um, and um, yes, as I stated here, we need to 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 also think about differentiation, how to differentiate um, the ethical informed consent and the um, data protection informed consent. Um, yeah, I would say that um, here, um, in in accordance with the GDPR um, and ethical requirements, so the patient is really in the center. Would you agree? Yes, I agree. It has a high degree of self-determination, the patient. So it's really in the center. But let's talk, change the perspective a little bit and talk about the partners again involved in the project. So as I already mentioned earlier, 20 partners are collaborating in this exciting project. So in my experience, it is always challenging at the beginning to evaluate the roles in the project, who is doing what, why, and yeah, when. <laughs> so do you share this view with the audience so about how the project is organized? Yes, I would say that here we have uh, different layers that we need to uh, take into account. So first of all, this is just the project management layer um, where we uh, have different roles that are required for this type of the or in this type of the project. Um, we have the role of the coordinator. In our case, this is the Univers University of uh, Rome, Tor Vergata. Um, who is taking the lead um, for the whole project. Um, then we have work package leaders uh, who are responsible for um, coordination of the work in the so-called work packages, where we have several tasks um, gathered together uh, that, are, um, um, th that should be then um, performed in the course of the project. We have task leaders, so um, the, the partners who are responsible for a specific activity in the project, for leading that activity, and we have contributors. So the partners who support the task leader in um, providing um, the um, appropriate um, so services, resources that would allow to, um, to then fulfill the responsibilities, the requirements that, he, that we have in the set in the project um, in the grant agreement. In general, the split um, of, of the roles helps to define who is responsible for what, um, who... Uh, has to deliver what and in what time. Uh, and that eases a lot the work um, in, in such a broad groups um, of, of different institutions. And, um, and the second layer <laughs> that I mentioned is actually, uh, it relates to the processing of, of personal data. And this is something that we are mostly <laughs> interested in. Uh, namely, we have different roles that are defined in the GDPR. Uh, we have uh, controllers, we have joint controllers, um, when the, the controllers jointly determine purposes and means of processing of, of data. Um, we have processors, so the, the parties, the partners who do not participate in the process of this determination of the purposes and means, but still process the data on behalf of other partners um, who are controllers and joint controllers. And um, this is where we assist the, the partners to assess who is um, supposed to assume which role in the project. And then um, we are also we help to um, structure it formally. So we prepare the agreements, um, joint controllership agreements, data processing agreements. Um, and um, since this is um, this process of, of collection, of, of uh, further processing and sharing the data is, as you mentioned, rather complex <laughs> in this type of a project and in such a broad group. Um, also, the, this identification of the roles is sometimes um, challenging, I would say. Um, 
But but in general, I think that um, with regard to to sharing the data and to uh, the data transfer, um, one one thing is that we need to think about those roles. But then on top of this, we also need to consider that some partners are not based in the EU. And yes, um, so right, uh, this is also that's true. Important. So it's not about only about the roles or how the legal basis, how to to gather all the data, but we also have the challenge that we have partners um, sitting outside of the EU. So these partners are therefore considered as third country, and the GDPR does not apply. In order to be able to share any data with these partners, additional measures needs to be in place. Article 45 GDPR, however, states that personal data may be transferred to a third country where the Commission has decided that a third country in question ensures an adequate level of protection. So we have one partner from the UK. As we all know, the UK left the EU in 2020. And at the beginning of the project, we were not sure whether an adequacy decision will be taken for the UK. Yeah, actually, I need to point it out. We have two partners from the UK. I'm sorry. Yeah, (laughs) sorry. That's true. No, it's totally fine, I think. Um, But anyway, yes, the uh, the, actually the... um, but yes, the same the rule applies the for, same for, rule for, applies. for, for yes, both. So yes. I'm sorry, it's, right. it's, I made a mistake. So it's two, two partners. But uh, let's go back to the topic of, of the adequacy, adequacy decision. So the decision has been adopted end of June. So after the beginning of the project and the transfer of personal data is not subject to any additional measures anymore, which might have delayed our collaborative work. Because if we had to find out all the, the additional measures, this was would delay the work we have been. I, I fully agree. And um, in general, we also in the project need to take into consideration um, another, so other legal acts um, or legal uncertainties that we have, um, which may have impact on our project and. Um, I would say that here um, we have also um, legal acts such that are drafted at the European level uh, that are currently um, at the proposal stage, which once they are they have been adopted um, in the current or slightly modified form, um, they yes they can also influence um, how the project would look like and what kind of legal requirements we would need to address, and. Um, I would say to provide some examples, I don't know, I guess that you will agree. Um, we could state that we have here AI regulation or the Data Governance Act um, or even the Digital Services Act because we are creating an online platform um, at the end um, of the project. Um, and um, I would say that with regard to the Data Governance Act, um, we um, we that need to think about the fact that it should regulate conditions for the reuse of certain categories of data that are held by public sector bodies. And yeah, it is supposed to um, regulate sharing personal and non-personal data um, in general. And um, it also um, introduces and promotes the notion of data altruism, which we are, I would say, very in favor of. Um, we, and this, this um, notion um, aims to allow the data used by individuals and companies uh, for the common good. Um, it, in this regard, uh, we need to think about 
what is the definition of the public sector bodies uh, to um, um, to then state whether whether this this act is applicable to us and actually considering the character of, uh, of the KT partners where the vast majority represents public sector institutions yeah it's not excluded that once this um, this act entered into force it will be applicable to the project and um, well True. what's next <laughs> so uh, part of the project um, is focused on the development of advanced explainable ai prediction models that allow us for example to enrich histological data with molecu molecular profiling information and other in very advanced technologies uh, yeah I, i i totally agree so these models actually um once incorporated in the kt uh, platform um, will serve the clinicians in finding treatment recommendations and they, they will be totally automata automatized. Yeah, so yes, in, they in are based on the AI. Yeah, in, in early 2021, the European Commission published a proposal for an AI regulation. So the AI regulation is supposed to apply to providers that places AI systems on the market or put AI systems to, into service, regardless of whether those providers are established in the EU or in a third country. So taking this into account, we might have to consider that the requirements that will be set out in the regulations will also become relevant for the KD project. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And this is what we are um, monitoring and um, observing the developments, next developments in this regard. And um, also, I mentioned before that the Digital Services Act um, might be also um, or should be taken into consideration in the project. Um, because this act aims to regulate uh, the acting of the online um, platforms. Um, we are also uh, developing an online platform, <clears throat> though um, the uh, Digital Services Act shall apply to the, uh, to the online platforms that are providing the information society services. And here, the major question that we should um, answer is whether um, our solution could be considered an informed society service because there are also different provisions that we should take into account whether um, to, to, to state whether this is an informed um, society service or not. Well, so a lot of challenges we're <laughs> facing. So these just are just examples of acts that are in the making and that require further monitoring by the project. So as the project is planned to last until 2024, we cannot be certain that no other new ideas, new challenges in the legal scope that may be applicable to the project appear. So this is why, in our view, it is very important for the project to have someone who is who provide legal support and observe the changes that emerge in the course of the project. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. That's always a useful asset in the project. Um, as you can see. Yes, the, the projects such as Katie, as you could um, have heard also in the previous episodes, um, they um, need to take into consideration various legal requirements and adhere to them. And um, it might be that the, mo the, the major ones stem from the data protection regulations, um, so the major requ requirements, and relate to the manner how the data, especially personal data, shall be managed in the project. But this is not 
only this, <laughs> uh, not only those as aspects have to be um, considered, but also other acts that we described. And um, in the project, this, this one, we have to have a look at and understand what is the material and territorial scope of the applicable regulations, what roles defined in those relevant acts are um, assigned to or should be assigned to the partners, um, what legal basis do we have to process the, the personal data for research purposes, and finding the answers uh, to all of those questions um, may seem sometimes challenging, but actually this is what makes this type of research very involving and very exciting as well. And once we achieve the, 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 the outcome that we wanted, it's also very rewarding. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So. But I think we're coming to the end. So thank you for listening. We are pleased that we have been, or I have been invited again, but today with you, Katashina, I've been invited to talk about our interesting project. Um, and I think we can say that we keep you posted on the developments on the project through our website and social media channels. Yes, definitely. If you would like to find out more about our project, please have a look at the description of this episode. You can find there some useful links Uh, to follow. Uh, thank you once again, Tima and Paul, for inviting us and everyone for listening to this podcast. Take care. Bye.